Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host. This is episode 269, a very nice episode lined up for you. I'm joined on this Victory Monday by my co-host, Stacy. That is at StacyPan89. Stacy, how are you doing? Yeah, it was a Victory Monday indeed. The uh, New York beat Philadelphia, which in this case was a very good thing. And, uh, and Michigan beat Ohio State again, which is, is kind of a habit now at this point, you know. When are we not? It's getting boring beating Ohio State and all these things. So we're just gonna we're gonna win so much. We're never <laughs> gonna stop winning. Um, yeah, it is nice to own Ohio State at life um, again, which is you know stunting in as a habit. Uh, but before we get into Nick's stuff, uh, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram, so please check that out. That is at the Strick.land. On Instagram, give us a follow. We also have a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. Final announcement is the Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this pod that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag. That comes out every other week. He hosts that along with Dallas Amico. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. Win or lose, it's always popping off in there. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $50 tier, $30 tier, $50 $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits like listening on a pod recordings, merchandise discounts, even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So uh, without further ado, let's get started. Uh, the Knicks, whew, I mean, there's a lot going on here. Uh, the Knicks did win a basketball game uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers on Sunday after dropping a heartbreaker to the Clippers on Saturday after winning what could have been a heartbreaker against the Heat on Wednesday or Thursday. I don't even know. The days all bleed together. This team is crazy. Um, They are competitive beyond all belief, and then they constantly want to shit their pants in the final minutes of a game. Um, But you can't accuse them of not... I mean, uh, the compete level with this team is not questionable. Uh, there might be nights where R.J. Barrett uh, doesn't exactly turn up or Julius or whoever. But on the whole, uh, you know, they 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 give it all they have. And um, I thought yesterday that was maybe – I mean, they've actually had a bunch in the last few weeks. But I, I thought yesterday was I, – I don't know if I would say it was their best win, but it was in a lot of ways their most impressive win this year. Second night, second night of a back-to-back. Yeah, it's at home, so you didn't travel. But 
You lost an overtime game the night before to the Clippers in absolute heartbreaking fashion. Their Should've... best player plays the same position as where you have a key injury. Yeah. Yeah. Embiid is obviously a monster, potential MVP candidate. Uh, I think should have won an MVP last year, in my opinion. Um, you and... just hate white people. That's true. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and obviously Mitch is out for the Knicks. RJ Barrett basically is a scratch minutes before the game. And to come out and they go down 21 and they, that, I mean, you have every excuse right there to, to let go of the rope. I mean, quite honestly, coming into the weekend, I was like, if they get a split, I'll be happy. But once they lost that Clippers game, I was like, well, this sucks. Not going to get a split now. Uh, but to get a split, I mean, that's a great split. And it's a split where we could have, and it's also, yeah, I mean, it, it's a split that feels like we could have gone 2-0. and You know, they they box out, you know, they guard Nicholas Batum. If RJ could jump, you know, um, <laughs> all these things. Yeah, instead of a white man can jump remake, maybe they should say do a, a Duke players. Duke players can't jump. Or Canadians. Actually, yeah, RJ has a teammate, had a teammate at Duke who could jump. So <laughs> Canadian works better. Um, yeah. No, I think the, the takeaway for me yesterday yeah, and I, I think there's a, there's a few things. Fred Katz had an article that you and I have deeply analyzed and at times criticized on the blown leads and kind of the randomness. And I've always felt like while there's probably some truth to the, the fact that there's just the games are more volatile now, uh, the Knicks were just going to always be on the negative side of that because they're just they don't get up a ton of threes, right? They don't have um, even their better shooters for most of the year quickly has been down, right? Um, Quinn Grimes is shooting worse than he was last year when he is out of the rotation and before that was shooting 31% from a flip three. We'll get to him in a second. Um, you know, Brunson is really the only person who's shooting consistently at a high level. So I was like, yeah, that might be the case, but it doesn't work in the Knicks' favor. Uh, and it's so it's good to be on the other side of a couple of those. Even the Clippers game, they were down 17. Uh, and they, they came back and that wasn't a fake comeback, right? That was a, they, that was a real comeback, that. yeah. That was, that was a real comeback. Um, but I, what I want to focus on from Sixers is the guys who led that victory um, were guys who, um, you know, let's ta- let's start with let's start with uh, the Frenchman, right? Evan Fournier was awesome last night. Legitimately, yeah, awesome. he was also weirdly good on defense in the second half, especially. Well, he's, I think he's. Um, the, the, I mean, the, he didn't really get mashed up under like. PG too much or anything. He actually had a pretty. He had pretty good defensive possessions against Miami in the second half too. Yeah, like, he, well, he, he really weird. He doesn't really make mental errors on defense. Uh, no, no, he does. But like when he doesn't, he's okay. That's the thing that's really frustrating because he'll he does this thing. He, I guess he does, I have a different. No, he does this all thing all the time where he'll come in like he'll be on the weak side and somebody will be posting up and he'll come in to try to get a steal and it's like. Somehow he will not get the steal because Evan Fournier is not the strongest person in the world. Uh, and he will also, like, not block off their path to the rim. So he just, like, runs by them. And it's just... Well, he's know? not... I mean, I think I think the majority of the mistakes I feel like I've seen are just, like, he gets blown by a lot. And he's not very strong either, I right? Think he, he gambles off ball. He's, like, really... He, he's, yeah. But I think that it's not as bad as... Um, I, I think the biggest issue is really size and strength, speed combo, right? Which was less of an issue when he was younger. Um, but um, but in any case, the point is that um, 
Credit on defense. Um, what, honestly, what annoys me more is like some of his it's Evan Fournier time possessions on offense, which probably I'm sure coincide when he's like playing with guys who are getting a little shot happy, anyone from quickly to Brunson to Randall. But those are like really frustrating. Um, but the thing is, he's 30 years old. He makes $18 million a year. And it's particularly notable, and we can talk about this later, but there's another Nick who just got paid who, um, you know, doesn't seem to always, hasn't reacted of late, maybe exactly how you would want him to react to not even being out of the rotation, just not, not playing. He's not game. always there when you call. <laughs> but he's always on time. <laughs> um, and, uh, and and that job doesn't put... Uh, Red, oh, we should talk about... We got to talk about the Red Dot thing and, and the conspiracy theory. Anyway, um, it, you know, the point I'm making is that Evan Forney has stuck with it. Um, and, you know, and everyone talked about last year with Kemba, with this year with Fournier, you know, before with Alfred Payton, you know, you risk losing the locker room when you bench a veteran. And they didn't lose Evan Fournier. You talk about another guy who's been very valuable for a long time. He arguably what saved the Cavs game with that block on Donald Mitchell. And that's Isaiah Hartenstein. And Isaiah Hartenstein could have been really fucking mad. He could have said, hey, I was playing significant minutes on a team that was better than you last year. A team that just brought back Kawhi and Paul George. I left them to come play here. And now I'm getting all this shit because, like, you you won't let me do what I'm good at. You don't let me pass the ball. You don't let me, you know, use my creativity offensively. And um, and on defense, like, you know, you're, you're putting me in bad positions and drop. Um, but he's, I mean, his effort, he, he's really been one of the Knicks' more valuable players the last few games. Uh, and sometimes, you know, all veteran acquisitions take time. Um, and then you had Deuce who struggled. Deuce had a big game. Jericho Sims, right, who stuck with it through up and down minutes. I thought Jericho Sims had a really underrated game yesterday. I mean, he, he played really well. It's just that it was actually, honestly, like, I don't know, because what, the first fucking, like, seven minutes of the game were not aired because we needed to watch fucking flag football. Um, <laughs> Twitter was, I will say, I watched Twitter for seven, eight minutes, and everyone just freaking out, including, like, Ben Stiller being like, Hey, flag football! You can trouble me for a warm glass and shut the hell up. That was uh, it was entertaining at least. And we went down nineteen points anyway. So I'm glad you will I go didn't to sleep. I'll put you to sleep. <laughs> You're my Check world, Grandma. Tag. Check out the name tag, uh, Jack Prescott. You're uh, no. in the garden now. So, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I can't tell you. I've gone back. To the, I don't know if NBA.com has the play-by-play, and you can watch the all the individual plays there. But like at least that back end of what I caught, I didn't think the Knicks were playing terrible defense. Like, yeah, they got beat down the floor a few times, but it didn't look like they were playing terrible defense. And actually, I thought they were getting pretty decent shots on offense, too. It just looked like one of those games where it just wasn't going to happen. But obviously, then the bench comes in, Fournier hits shots, McBride hits some shots. And um, like, so I, I guess what I was, what I'm saying is that. I don't think the starters actually played poorly, and and Sims is among that. Like to start the game, at least from yeah. what I saw. But and maybe, I think he also had some really impressive possessions, and I think he's quietly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Prez has talked about this. You've talked about this. He leaves quite a bit to be desired that he still needs to work on. Like his his good possessions are very notable. He's not a great rim protector. It's just it is what it is. Like he can jump out of the gym, but guys are able to score on him when they get position. Um, he's just not that. He's not that big. If he wasn't that athletic, he's really sized like a four. But he's so the point I'm making though is with the guys who won that game, um, 
Well, they're all guys that could have mailed it in. They could have said, fuck Tibbs, fuck the Knicks. Um, you know, and so, you know, we've both been very critical of Tom Thibodeau. You use that C word, um, not the one that ends in Tuesday, but the one culture. Um, and um, <laughs> he's built that, right? I mean, when you have a guy like Hartenstein who's willing to come in, change his game. I mean, maybe not him alone. Maybe not him alone. Johnny Bryant. I don't know. I think... I, like, I'm sorry. Like this, and I know you're not necessarily saying this. Tim shit. Like he gets credit for fucking everything with the organization. Oh my god, the young players developing. How can you say Tim is not? Doing no, a great but job? I'm, I'm talking about the fact that guys like Evan Fournier. Are okay, still but those, big. but the, but they like the front office signed guys. They've acquired yeah, guys, true. and a lot who of are, it is who are committed hard workers. Isaiah Hartenstein, like you know when he sucked, like to start this year. I would, you could never accuse him of like not going 115%. He literally got fucking OB hurt because he was playing like a fucking maniac. Like that that actually happened. But like Evan Fournier throughout his career, like say what you want, strengths and weaknesses and the flaws and whatever, but like his professionalism has never been in question. Emmanuel Quickly, OB Toppin, Deuce McBride, Quentin Grimes, these guys, Jericho Sims, these, these guys they've drafted. Right? There's They're one all... person you acquired who, who, who you haven't mentioned. but Who haven't I met? Oh, Cam? Yeah. Yeah, well, Cam was a shot, right? Cam, Cam, if anything, was a deviation from the type of players and personalities and all that type of stuff that they've, they've gone and acquired. Like, look, NBA players, Cam Reddish maybe doesn't work hard or has the wrong mindset for NBA standards, but let me tell you, like, NBA players in general work harder than... Anyone. Yeah, yeah. like it, it, 99.99. Yeah, whatever, like yeah. I promise you, Cam Reddish works way harder than at anything than I than I ever have. Like, I'm 100% sure of that. Um, but not even quoting the Sopranos. No, no, he's probably it's true. Um, but like they've acquired guys who are even among the that crazy work ethic that it takes to get to the NBA, they've acquired guys that are above and beyond that. Guys that are like Emmanuel Quickly. This guy, like the, I think all all the guys they've drafted, actually, at least three of them have very interesting career paths, college career paths, right? And Manuel Cook is a five star recruit, goes to Kentucky, doesn't really play the first year, um, and there was all kinds of like, I mean, he had every opportunity to transfer if he wanted to transfer, right? And a lot of guys, if you go to Kentucky as a as a freshman, don't play, it, it, you might transfer because you know that Calipari is going to bring in. Another fucking five five star guys. Yeah, like it's it's hard. And seniority and doesn't rule or anything, right? So. Right, right. And so he stayed right. And even to start his second year, he's coming off the bench. He's not starting games. He's coming off the bench, and he just worked so hard and he played so well that he became a starter and he became SEC Player of the Year. Look at Obi Toppin. This guy was in a year, player. by the way, for people to say, yeah. "Well, it's Conference Player of the Year." So two of the guys that were in that conference, one Maxie. was his teammate Tyrese Maxey, another was a guy. Um, Named Kermit Will, I mean Anthony Edwards. Um, so and both of, and I remember this is the first time I actually I remember after watching this game, I tweeted at Prez and I was like, "Hey, you know, would you want a piece on Emmanuel quickly?" And this is not me ripping Prez at all because I think he became more of a believer than me. He's like, "Uh, yeah, but he's like a second round guy, right? Maybe as part of a piece with more guys." And I still ended up writing like a million words on him and Prez was nice. Prez and Alex were nice enough to say, all right, we'll post this. Um, but the point is I watched that UGA Kentucky game and I was watching it because I wanted to see Ant against Tyrese Maxey. And those were the two, you know, Ballyhooed recruits. And I just remember quickly popping 
And almost being a guy who, like, at times it was frustrating because I was like, I want to see what Maxi can do on ball. Like, that's the prospect I'm watching. They kept running offense too quickly, but he would always just make a play. Like, he just did so many things. Like, it was impossible not to notice him, even in a game with Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Maxey, and, uh, and Ashton Higgins, right? And, and Nick Richards, who's also an NBA player. So he was thinking, and then, and then I looked him up. He's like, oh, he's got six, 10 wingspan. Oh, he shouldn't 42% from three. Oh, you know, he's, um, pretty fucking really good defender. Like it's, um, it's funny how he flew under the radar, but sorry, you, you know, you were, but, uh, yeah, like the, I'll remember like the first time I like noticed Emmanuel quickly in, in a game and it wasn't just like some like draft research. It was, it was watching like Kentucky UGA game and not, not even really knowing who it was before that. Yeah, and and then like Obi, the guy went to fucking like what was he in JUCO, and then he yeah. gets then he goes to Dayton. He doesn't get drafted until he's twenty three years old. Like and and look at the way the minutes he's been played his career so far in the NBA. Like like, but these guys like that career path, right? They, they take these guys that have had these weird kind of like paths where you really had to earn it. Uh, look at Quentin Grimes, right? He goes, he's a five star point guard recruit, goes to Kansas. Basically plays himself out of the fucking rotation um, by like midway through the year, and then he transfers, goes to Houston, and he plays for two years there under Kelvin Sampson. Um, like, and look, like Houston's not some bullshit program, especially not anymore. Like, they, they're they're up there. They are. They're like the new Gonzaga. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're one of the great programs in the country. But like, he's part of the reason why that program is where it's at now. You know, like he's one of the guys that's helped get them to that level. And he did like, and, and you look at the game he had, like he was supposed to be a point guard. That was his thing coming out of high school. He's a five-star point guard recruit. He goes to Houston and Kelvin Simpson's like, that's great. What you're going to do is you're going to take a lot of threes and you're going to play defense. That's what you're going to do. Um, and obviously like he did more than that. You know, he was a shot creator, but like he, he became a totally different player from what he was projected at initially and obviously he's continued on the nba he's been really good um but as julius randall pointed out he should shoot the ball more um but like they they've picked these guys who and even isaiah hardenstein look at his career path he's been bouncing all over the league for a while now you know they've picked guys that that like they care about intuitiveness right yeah they care about the work more than they care about like the how they're being treated and what, almost like they trust the process and that's why they yeah, so maybe but like it's it's really it's really more that they are they put in the work <coughs> without the the expectation of or knowledge of i'm going to play there's no entitlement minutes. entitlement yeah is the word, you know, yeah and right? so like I'm, I'm this isn't too shit on tibbs i do think tibbs deserves credit for establishing um you know like creating an environment at least where for once it feels like young players can come in and yeah, we might be like, what the fuck is Tibbs doing with this guy? But at least they're coming in and they improve and they get better. And um, he deserves credit for that. But like, you know, when you're talking about the culture, I, I, I'm sorry. Like I think the front office deserves way more credit for that than, than Tibbs does. I mean, Even Tibbs is out here. CAA. So this is CAA culture. Yeah, this is CAA culture. Um, no, but like, I mean, I, I, I mean, that, Tibbs is out there last year, both, fucking right? throwing. He's throwing strays out at like, oh, Obi, like, oh, you know, nine times out of ten, Obi's fucking doing stupid shit. And, he didn't oh, call out Obi by yeah, name. He, just he, meant- he he leaked it to Berman, and Berman said it. We know what the fuck it is, okay? Like, we don't need to beat around the bush. Um, and it's the same thing with quickly. Like, 
he oh he's not a point guard he's just a nice bench scorer I'm gonna start fucking Alec Burks over and I'm gonna start X Y Z players over like it's whatever I, I I'm sorry I don't think he deserves credit for those guys staying bought in I think the front office bringing in the type of players who will stay locked in even amidst that it's almost like a nature versus nurture argument <laughs> and and like and like to to that point like he lost Cam within what like forty games you know like. He, he, I don't think he deserves a credit, or at least not the lion's share of credit for that. Uh, and honestly, I don't even like giving the front office the credit for that. Like, cool, you drafted hard workers. The players deserve the credit for that. Like, that's not just hard workers, right? I mean, there's yeah. there's insanely hard wor- workers who do have entitlement, right? Yeah, it's um, it's kind of it's you know, it's, it's that's a different um, skill set. I, I would be willing to say that, but I think whatever you like organizationally, you just don't have the kind of shit that used to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is that I mean, it, I was thinking it, about this the other day. Like the biggest like, controversy the, well, we, we've the, had. The, the Knicks had a oh, sorry. I'll, excuse yeah. me a second. The Knicks had another player who was averaging a double double, didn't play defense, and got benched for a um, for a, a younger player with more upside who played defense. And um, and that player eventually did a bunch of really stupid things. Um, but before he became, you know, a Fox News sweetheart, um, <laughs> Enos Cantor was just Steve Steve Popper's best friend and just constantly shitting on the Knicks and making a big fuss. And then some idiots at the at the Garden were like, "Enos Cantor, like you 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 don't like Mitchell Robinson? Are you a fucking moron?" Um, and that's kind of the, the like, that's not the Fournier. I mean, and so is it because they're doing, is it because they're searching out the Evan Fournier's of the world instead of the Enos Cantor's? Um, is it because, you know, they have an environment where, you know, a guy like Evan Fournier is like, you know, I don't mind taking a backseat here. I'll be okay. I don't know. It's probably a, a bunch of those things. I do think, to your point, character probably of the individuals matters the most and that's contagious right if you have one or two of those guys then the 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 guy next to him is going to be more like that um and and it's worth noting also if we're going to give credit to tibbs we should absolutely give credit to johnny bryant especially in light of the comments that he made sorry and the comments that julius randall made but the point i'm saying is you want to give credit to tibbs you want to give credit to anyone fine the fact that like culture is a big thing that was talked about as a Knicks, you know, kind of Achilles heel, uh, there's a certain organization that plays in the same uh, metropolitan area in the same city that, um, you know, the culture, uh, the the reputation of their culture has taken a hit, to say the least in the last 24 hours or so. Um, but uh, so I guess that's flattening the playing field between the Knicks and the, the, the Nets in the, in the uh, general media. But um. But I think, like, if you if you look at this team, you know, if you if you just look at same old Knicks, and as long as Dolan's here, they're gonna suck, and you know, CAA runs it, and it's a fucking it's all bullshit. There are probably personal moves they make that aren't great, but you know, as you mentioned, like, they're they're it is different. The culture is different now. Is that because of the guys they've brought in? Is the culture changing those guys? We can discuss that. And you need more. You need talent too. You need to actually be able to win on the court. But that is a criticism, and that is something that you have to say has been turned around under this front office. And Tibbs has been here as long as the front office. And you know, I, I don't want to get into a super big debate about dividing that credit, but, um, but it seems clear that it, it's different, you know, that it has been since at least the 90s. 
and even then, like if you read the culture in the nineties, even under Pat Riley, it was a little bit more high temperature, high octane. It's just different. The league is different though. I mean, just a different. That's league. true. So yeah, like then it's probably more similar to like, you know, like the, the good vibes of the seventies, obviously they don't have the, the high end talent that they had and they're not playing that type of ball, but um, you know, like they've, it, the culture is different. I, I can't say it enough times. Yeah, I mean, it is different. Uh, I mean, I, I think... Better. Let's just say that. It is much better. I mean, the biggest controversy they've had in the last three years is, like, British. not talking to the media. Leon not talking to the media. Tibbs throwing strays out sometimes. They banned Stefan Bondi. That's like banning, yeah. you know... That's like North Korean banning... Uh, but they didn't ban... The, 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 the Bandy got banned before... The, this regime, like this regime, you call him Bandy, <laughs> yeah, Bandy, Bundy, whatever. Um, but they, like, I mean, the biggest controversy is like was Cam that before Reddish. this regime? Yeah, yeah. And it, it, the biggest controversy is like Cam Reddish being DNP CD. And by the way, I just want to say this: I was thinking about this today. There are a lot of people that are like, "Oh my God!" Like the protected first that things have don't have much value. They like you're not going to get shit for these picks. What what is the point of them? And then, like, with this, the same people will be like, oh, my God, they traded a protected first for Cam, and now he's not Why even playing. Why did they Herb Jones, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like you can't have it both ways. It can't be that one in, – in one instance, you kill the front office for using a protected first, and in the other instance, you're saying, oh, actually, they have no value. These four protected first things have, have no value at all. Um, I, I don't buy that. And, and also, like, I just – the Cam thing, who cares? Like, if that's the biggest controversy we have to deal with, over the last, and then like okay, I guess other than and that, a lot like, of the same people who are like, why can't Cam play? We're like, why couldn't Kevin Knox play? Yeah, I, I mean the the most ridiculous take I've seen, by the way, Kevin Knox is a rotation player now. Yeah, and he still sucks, and he's a rotation player on the worst fucking team in the league. Yeah, they're oh, the wow. worst team in the league, and 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 like the main controversies we've had are like, oh my god, Austin Rivers is persona non grata now. Like Campbell Walker is completely done. Like. Like that, those are big controversies. You know, like these are not real. I, I, I Can think. Can I ask some you a th- side side question on the Austin Rivers space? Yeah. Do you think he looks like Andrew Tate with hair? Yeah, he looks exactly like him. Um, but like these aren't real controversies, in my opinion. I mean, these are these are controversies in the sense of like if you follow a sports team, situations like this arise. But this shit happens for. Multiple teams, but you got to be smart about it. Yeah, I mean, gotta, the, but these things, the yeah, these things happen around the league with every team. Uh, this is not like Nick specific, and you could say, I mean, I do think it's a a bit concerning, or it's le- at least a negative. It's a it's a bad look that every single year there seems to be one player that Tibbs kind of entirely falls out with, um, and there is something to be said about what seems like a lack of communication in those instances. But those have generally not been good players. Like, yeah. I and assume I, you're talking about Rivers first year. Ri- yeah, Rivers, Kemba, would have been Kemba, and this year would have been. Yeah. And, and ultimately, like, again, like, that's just not a huge controversy. And I just don't, like, like if I'm, I, I could tell you 15 reasons why I think they should move on from Tibbs at the end of the year. But one of them will never be that he benched Cam Reddish. Like, the, and at the end of the day, they're not, I, I posted this earlier today. I tweeted this earlier today. But since they basically benched Cam Reddish and promoted Deuce McBride into the rotation, the Knicks were 10 and 13 at that point. The Knicks in the 32 games since are 19 and 13. Um, they're sixth in offensive rating. They're eighth in defensive rating. They're fourth in net rating. They're 11th in defensive rebound percentage. 
Um, and during this stretch, we've had Brunson. I think Brunson missed five games. Mitch has missed however many games. RJ has missed, like, I think six or seven games. Obi missed a bunch. Um, and and so this all that happened in those 32 games. In that time, they have wins at Boston, against Cleveland twice, Miami, and now Philadelphia. Like, it's a good team. And guess what? It happened when they took Cam Reddish out of the rotation and put Deuce McBride in. Does that mean Cam Reddish was the, the sole reason why things went to sh- like why things started off poorly this season? No, absolutely not. But I don't think there's an argument to be made that, I mean, what what is the argument that that they've done something wrong here? I don't see the argument for it. And like they didn't bench Cam to play some like sixty five, like thirty five year old veteran wing, right? No, they benched Cam and they were like, all right, we're gonna play our second round pick um, from last year, a twenty two year old kid. We're gonna play him. We're gonna put him in the rotation. And you know what? Even if he is undersized, we're gonna deal with it. Even if he can't make a shot. For three weeks, we will live through that because we believe that he will come good. And he's put together a couple of nice games. The, the shot is starting to fall. I thought even before shots started to go in, I mean, I, I think I mentioned it last week when we were on, I thought Deuce was playing better. Like, he was taking shots when they were available. He looked like he was playing with more force again. Uh, and I thought the defense picked up where it had fallen off. And I don't know. I'm looking forward to, at some point, some kind of piece coming out about how Hopefully Deuce keeps this up because you know he'll get a piece about like Deuce was struggling and player X talked to him about it and that was the turning point for him. And like I, I'm sure that actually did. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised at all if something like that happened. But it is nice to see him make shots. And, you know, credit to a guy like Evan Fournier who has been in and out of the rotation. And, you know, they he they asked him about it last night. And he was like he's like, I think last night it was it was just like a fun one night stand, right? Like he, he knows he's not gonna be playing again. Like, he knows that once RJ's back, he's out of the rotation again. But, like, it, it it does say plenty about the makeup of this team that these guys have stayed committed. And they and, and I think, you know, Breen talks about this all the time, that, like, even though they're not playing, Fournier and Rose are two of the guys that are always in there early to get shots up and, keep and, and you know, kind of prepare. So, um, yeah, like, I, I think when you look at stuff like that, like, you know, is there, like, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really bothered by Evan Fournier continuing to be here because I think he's a fine veteran and um, he doesn't seem to be rocking the boat. He's been a good soldier about it. And um, yeah, like, I think he obviously provides a good example in terms of his work ethic. So um, yeah, I mean, that yesterday's game was awesome. Like, and, and I can't say enough about Deuce and Hartenstein, especially like those two guys were awesome. And, um, you know, Deuce, actually, I, I, I do want to say this. I didn't think quickly had a great game. I don't think we had a good game yesterday, but I did, I did think it was very interesting. He put, so because Arjo is out, he put quickly on Harden and then he put Grimes on Tobias, um, which I get. I kind of would have been interested to see if you just put quickly on Tobias and put Grimes and Harden. But to be fair, I think well, Harden got Grimes in foul trouble the last time they played, so that might have been running in his mind too. Um, but it was it was an interesting decision. I actually think quickly did a good job on him, at least the second half when I could really watch his minutes because of the first half it was like, oh, we got eight minutes of flag football going on here. Um, but I thought he I thought he did a good job on Harden in the second half. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't his great greatest game, but I just like. And look, we got to talk about it because it, it is relevant. Like, it does say something that 
not just you know, not just it's not just one game. The numbers consistently bear out. This team is basically an elite defensive team when RJ Barrett is not on the floor. And you can run the variations for other guys. Like Brunson has not been a good defender. Randall sucked ass to start the year. He's been he was fucking awesome this weekend. He was fucking awesome in the fourth quarter against the Clippers. He stepped up with Michelle. Yeah. I mean the fourth quarter against the Clippers, go back and watch that. Randall is all over the place. Um, you know, for a guy that I shit on constantly last year, and I, I deserve he deserved it. I don't I don't feel bad about any of it. Uh, he deserves a lot of credit for the way he's come back this year, both, you know, in terms of his on court play and I think he's making real strides and attempts, um, you know, genuine progress in terms of being a better leader and teammate. So he deserves credit for all that, deserved all star. Um, really cool to see. Because it, it was you know, I think a lot of people, not just myself, thought that it was over. Like you can't come back from that in New York, you know? And he has, and he deserves a ton of credit for it. But um yeah, I mean, like, I don't think RJ has necessarily been, I'm not as disappointed, I guess, or maybe I'm not as concerned about him long-term as others are, but, like, I mean, it has to serve as a wake-up call at some point when, like, the the shot-making and all that stuff, like, look, we can talk about that forever. I'm not that worried about that really at all. I think that's, like, the one area he's clearly made progress in, but my God, man, the defense at times is so poor and it's so like he has a game against Miami where I actually thought he played good defense and then he comes out in that Clippers game he's he played a pretty good first half defensively Clippers made a lot of contested shots but in the second half he just doesn't have it again and it's like I don't know it's it's just really frustrating and I get that like young players go through shit like this but um you know you watch that game yesterday like you see some of the stuff Deuce is doing like right and how hard he's competing and hustling, like grinds quickly. Um, like you see this, and it, it to me, it's not it's not so much about like how good are you defensively, but there's such a fucking lack of physicality and force that he's playing with defensively that's so frustrating to watch. I mean, you look at the intensity that Grimes is playing with on defense, that quickly is, that Deuce is. Like and and Randall has been of late. Like and it's just fucking embarrassing to watch RJ Barrett, who's six six two thirty, and he he won't he can't box out a soul. And he's not some guy who's going to be skying in for rebounds either, as we saw at the end of the Clippers game. Uh, and then you know he he's it's fine to just be big and in the way, but there are times where like you need to be able to use your size to make guys uncomfortable defensively. And too many times this year, I see guys size up RJ. And they're in a comfort zone. He doesn't make them uncomfortable, and, and he gets shit cashed in his face constantly. And it's not a coincidence. It's not just like, oh, he's luck. You know, I, what is that in Rounders where he's like, oh, what do you think? Like the same fucking five guys end up at the final table of the World Series of Poker. Where are they? The five luckiest guys in the world. Like, it's not just luck if guys keep cashing shots in your face. If every yeah, single time, back on to see if uh... Seth choosing between the two buttons: defend RJ Barrett. <laughs> Or um, or go against uh, go against sample size and randomness. Uh, yeah, it, it, but it's it's philosophy, like, and it's this is this this year as a whole. Like he's been bad defensively. The numbers, every single number, bears it out, and it's frustrating because, like, do you think he's been our worst defender? Like worse than Brunson? Um. Probably not, because you have to adjust for the fact that Brunson literally gets hidden. 
Yeah, like, like when we play Memphis, Brunson ain't guarding Ja, right? But RJ is. So yeah, which which was not the greatest idea. Um, but like well, that be, it was not the greatest idea because you had if you had rhymes of the options at the time, you had quickly and you had RJ. Like I would rather put RJ on Ja than Brunson. I mean, I'd rather put quickly on Ja than RJ. Yeah. But like, we just, we just just have someone shine a red laser in his face from the bench. <laughs> but but like, I mean, the thing with like, so yeah, I mean, Brunson's it's the worst. He's the worst defender because you actually have to hide him. But like, RJ's not being hidden, and right now I'm kind of like, well, if he's not being hidden, and we're not in a position to hide him because we have to hide Brunson, then this just isn't good enough, and. I don't think there's any chance in hell he's getting moved at this trade deadline. But it is something to keep an eye on long term because ultimately, if it's not tenable, even with Quentin Grimes, right, defending the toughest perimeter option every night, even if it's with Mitchell Robinson anchoring the team at the five, if RJ and Brunson, if RJ can't step it up defensively, then having him and Brunson together in a lineup is just not tenable if you want to be a serious contender at some point. And I know there will be people that are going to be like, well, they should move Brunson. And like, look, RJ's got to be better. Like, that's it. It's like flat out. Like, if you want to get that type of treatment, you've got to be better. You've got to be more than a fucking 53 and a half true shooting guy. You've got to play defense at a level that isn't a complete fucking joke. You have to go get a contested rebound every now and then. You have to create offense for others consistently and not just jack up shots. Can you run an offense through Jalen Brunson? Not perfect, but can you run an offense through Jalen Brunson? Yes. The Knicks are, and are they top ten for the year in offensive rating? Or they have been since Houston. Yeah. Then? Oh yeah. They, I I'm almost they're six for the season. I'm pretty sure. Offense hasn't been a problem the entire season. Yeah. So the the Knicks are currently running a top ten offense, and it is going through Jalen Brunson. So you not and hear- Randall. I mean, it's going through both, but but but, but Brunson, Brunson is the is primary the initiator. Yeah. But I'll tell you who's not going through, and when it does go through him, the results aren't as good. It's, it's RJ Barrett. Now you got you got to convince me that RJ Barrett. If I was to forget all of the defense, here, here's what you're talking about, right? Trade Brunson instead of RJ. There's multiple things, right? One, if you get a different point guard to replace, you can maybe you say we'll replace him with quickly, right? Um, but most players who are going to take that spot cannot guard wings, so wing defense would still be an issue. The other thing is, um, even quickly, like I'm not putting quickly on Kawhi Leonard. And for what it's worth, I thought RJ was reasonably good on, on Kawhi Leonard. Um, but the other thing is, like, yeah, like you have to not, you have to, you have to meet that standard. And, or you have to say that I'm so much better than Brunson at running this offense that it makes sense to move him to give me that role. And there's very little evidence of that. I mean, I, I think it's a debate about whether it's better to run the offense through RJ or quickly when they're both on the floor together. So, you know, we're not going to talk about... I don't even think it's a debate. I think it's obviously quickly. Well, I mean, I think it, it depends. There are matchups where I would prefer RJ, but no, uh, I think they're best working together. I don't think IQ is a heliocentric ideal option. I don't think RJ but, is but, either. That's not how... Yeah, but that's like that's not how I need to view... run. Like, you can run an offense through a player... Without it being a heliocentric thing, right? Like, like, That's true. like, to me, it's more like who would I rather have probing the defense initially, and who would I rather have attacking on the second side? 
And Who would you rather me, have probing your mother? Well, that's that's a tough one. Um, but like, I, I don't want RJ. I th- I hate when RJ is the first guy to probe the defense because he's like, especially if he just does it from a standstill at the top key. At least when they run the pistol action, that's better, and like it kind of gets him going downhill on the on the move. But I hate when they just swing the swing the ball to him up top, and it's like time for RJ to cook. Like I, I don't like that at all. And I don't even like it when quickly does it, but yeah, I think because really I, the only player I like doing that is Brunson. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't like, and I don't like that in general. Like that's not like a player's. Like I think that you should strive to be a little bit more creative with how you Especially initiate you offense. Luka Doncic or you know one of those. Guys. Yeah, and even then, I don't like that being just like, oh, well, we have Luca. Let's just do this five hundred times a game. Like I think they're diminishing returns to that. Well, now it'll be two fifty. So yes, um, the other way. But like, I just. I don't know. I, I right now with RJ, like I'm at the point where I'm not. I don't think they should trade him. I think the people that are talking about trading him right now are really jumping the gun. Um, I do have a little bit more patience for a guy. Yes, he's fourth year in the league. He's 22 years old. I'm not saying he's, you know, is being young doesn't necessarily excuse some of the concerns we're seeing. But I do think that suggests there's scope for improvement, especially when we've seen him be a better player in terms of his defend defending at a previous time in his career. So um, we've seen that. We saw that for a full season, right? Like his second year in the league, he was a good defender. Not a great defender, but a good defender. Uh, like he just has to get back to that level or something, something close to the level. Because if he's just like an average defender, that's fine. You don't need him. Like I don't need him to be a lockdown guy. Like we have... We have a Quentin Grimes for that, right? Like, we don't need RJ to be some elite. He doesn't need to be fucking Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. You know, that's fine. But he, he's got to be better than this. And, um, you know, I, I think ultimately, end of the day, uh, I keep coming back to this, but, like, if you... T- I personally would not be surprised at all if, like, RJ is internally viewed, especially by, like, the nerds in the organization, uh, lowest among our major prospects anyway. So when you say major prospects, you mean like quickly and Grimes and Obi? And Mitch. Wow. I mean uh, I mean it, you gotta call it like it is, right? Like look at every single nerd stat that's out there. All of them look better than RJ. Right the trajectory now. on offense is promising, but yeah, I mean not it's not promising like Encouraging, like a little bit better this year. Um, I think my thought. So you mentioned a lot. I'll, I'll throw this back to you as well, though. When it comes to the whole quickly versus RJ thing, quickly did have a bad game yesterday, and partly is because you know when he plays with that first unit, it seems like he just gets told to stand in the corner. Do you think that's a thing? And in that case, do you think like? It's better off to use him off the bench, almost because it does give him more flexibility in what he can do. Yeah, I mean, I like quickly off the bench more, given kind of how that lineup works. Um, so, sure. Like, I, I don't, I, I haven't really been demanding that. Like, yeah, I, I know you haven't, but um, yeah, like I, but I'm we, fine. If we want to move on from RJ, that's probably the next logical step. Right, you start. No, I mean, if you move RJ, you're probably moving him to get a wing back. I would think. So you like quickly in his role? I love quickly in his role. Um, no, I, I but I do like quickly 
in that role. I think it's like valuable for him and it's valuable for the team. And he's done 30 minutes. Right? Yeah, he's playing he's playing a bunch. He gets more lead. he doesn't he barely played any actual lead guard yesterday, right? Like when he when he's in his normal rotation, he plays plenty of lead guard. So like yeah, I do like that more. Um and I think it's more valuable for him and more more valuable for the team. It also gives us different looks um which you don't get as much when he starts. So yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. And and honestly, like now that Deuce, you know, remembered that he can make a shot, hopefully they get more burn together because I think those two together have been at least, I mean, defensively, basically through their entire last two years when they play together, they've been fucking awesome on that end. So uh, I just would very, very cool with where, where quickly is I like, again, this team is, you, I don't think anybody believes that we have a true star or whatever, you know, however you want to define that. Like, do we have star ish level players? Yeah. I think, Randall obviously is an all-star this year, deservedly. Brunson was all-star caliber. Um, and like, like that's two guys, but you know, we don't have a superstar. But like, even amid that, like again, basically since they made their rotation change, they've been on a 48 to 49 win pace. That's really good. That that's that's I mean, if if we had been on a, a, a tough schedule. I mean, yeah. all of their all of their most meaningful wins have come during that time, right? Yeah, and if if they were if there was a forty eight to forty nine win pace from the start of the season, like they would have forty eight or forty nine wins. Yeah, I mean, well, wouldn't that far exceed the expectations of like what we were what we thought? That would probably make them the five seed. Yeah, probably four seed, five seed. They'd be in that mix. So, like this team has shown that they are hitting this a very nice level while playing a bunch of young dudes. And that is with R.J. Barrett, who I think I think you know, anybody, even his biggest supporters, still would say that he's had a disappointing year so far, you know. Um, and like considering that, I mean, that's kind of like where I'm at with R.J. Where it's like, if you got your shit together on defense, maybe we're talking about a team that could be like a 52, 53, 54 win pace team, because it really is like he's the one guy that's been a glaring negative in a lot of, he's he's having a Randall year from last year in a lot of ways like not without the without the crazy insane like <laughs> like just crazy moments but he is having that type of year where it's like the production looks fine on the surface and he's not he's not been anywhere near as bad offensively as Randall was last year but the defense is so poor that it's it's you know it's it's hurts yeah him. I mean and, he doesn't stop the ball and the turnovers aren't as big an issue uh, what uh, I, I do want to get back to Randall. It's also worth noting that um, despite the fact that the Knicks are the sixth seed, um, the Miami Heat, who are or sorry, the Knicks are the seventh seed. The Miami Heat, who are the sixth seed, have a point differential of point one, and the Knicks are at one point seven, uh, or average one point seven per game. Uh, and um, you know that's not too far from Brooklyn, which is at two point one, likely to go down, um, and. Um, and even Milwaukee, which is at 2.4. So this is a team that has played... They are closer to Milwaukee and Brooklyn than they are to Miami in terms of point differential. Or Chicago. Um, when it comes to RJ, do you think there is friction with Tibbs? We saw the clip where, uh, you know, he took a, the shot to, to end the quarter. And he joked to quickly, like, ah, I'm going to take it out of the game and all that. Then I, you know, I hate draw, reading too much into those kind of clips because, you know, you know, at work we all joke around. I, 
you know, I had a boss, the only, one of, the only boss who I can still consider a good friend. I used to make fun of him all the fucking time. Um, so, you know, it, um, what, what do you think is going on there with Tibbs and RJ? And is it something to monitor or be concerned about at all? I mean, I would guess their relationship isn't particularly great right now. doesn't mean it's awful. Um, I mean, like, look, RJ is a prideful guy. He was the third overall pick. He obviously wants to be a star. He wants to be a starter for sure. He wants to close fucking basketball games. I'll tell you that much. And if he's in a situation where this isn't, it's not just not playing the end of that Nets game or whatever it was, right? Or uh, not the Nets game. I forgot which game it was now that he just didn't play down the stretch. Um, But like, he barely played in that Celtics game that they won in the fourth quarter. Uh, he obviously came back in with like a minute, two minutes left, and hit a big, big three and hit free throws and all that type of shit. But like, he it's it's not just a one time thing. It's been a consistent thing. I think that's a problem for RJ. Um, and we know this is not even like a knock on Tibbs. I mean, it can be interpreted as a knock on Tibbs, but it's just a fact. Like he doesn't really explain himself to players, right? Evan Fournier talked about this. They asked him what his role was, and he's like, I don't really know. That's like, Tibbs doesn't really talk to me about that. Rose said the same thing earlier this year, too. And that's like, you know, that's Tibbs's guy. So um, I think that there is some friction there, probably. And I don't know. I mean, does that, is that untenable? It's obviously not untenable. But I think you want to be careful because even if I, I, I like, I don't think this organization is so tied to R.J. Barrett. I mean, we know they're not, right? Because they nearly traded him for Donovan Mitchell. He was very much on the table for that. And look at the contract he's on. The contract he's on is not a commitment of, like, we you're the guy forever now. You know, that's not the commitment they made with that contract. And, like, but that being said, he is an important piece to their team because I think ultimately – if you want to get that next level star that you ultimately probably will need to get uh, short of landing one in the draft, which I don't think the Knicks will be in position to do anyway, you're going to have to trade for that guy. And to that end, I think Randall and RJ, more more specifically RJ, are the guys that you could conceive going out as being the headline piece in that type of trade. So he's important to them. And obviously there's still the potential that he gets his shit together and just turns into a really good player in New York. You know, that that's possible too. But at the end of the day, he's important to them for multiple reasons. So I think Tibbs is playing a little bit of a dangerous game there where he's, um, you know, maybe not explaining what he's doing with RJ and clearly doesn't necessarily think that he's always good enough to be the, in the closing lineup, which I have no problem with, by the way. Um, I just, I think you got to be careful with that as a coach. Uh, and actually, like, to, to Tibbs' credit, I mean, this is the type of thing we wished he had done with Randall last year, right? So I, I don't really have I don't have a problem with it in one-off situations or you know every now and then or certain matchups, but I do think that if you're going to go down that path, um, it needs to be applicable to everybody, and you need to be a little more flexible with it. And a lot of the stuff could just be avoided if you would not do crazy, insane rotations, which that's not going to happen. So that is what it is. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many things yet to unfold. Can the Knicks get home court advantage? Who knows?
maybe. When I'm looking to get into the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 of free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Perhaps trying RJ at the four is a way to kind of get him untracked a little bit, you know, play to his increased weight and strength. Um, but it, it is a little bit striking that, like, you know, you, you're not playing well. You're not making consistent reads. And when other guys have seen, I mean, you didn't have to sit for a year behind Alfred Payne. You were the third pick, but <clears throat> so was um, so was Venus Cantor. Um, so you know, it's interesting. And um, yeah, I think I think you you nailed it on the head. Is he going to be part of the team long term? Especially if they do get one of those long wings that we've <coughs> coveted for a while, <coughs> and that player is really a star. Like if we had drafted Trey Murphy, right? Let's say if the Knicks had been able to draft Trey Murphy. I mean, they wouldn't have drafted Grimes at that point. But let's say they got Trey Murphy and Grimes. Um, that was, by the way, very possible because they had the 19th pick in that draft. Uh, if Murphy had fallen a few more picks, it's possible. Would would we want RJ starting over Trey Murphy right now? Do I think he's a higher ceiling? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this is an example. So um, definitely very curious as to, um, to what's going to happen there. Um, but, I mean, I, I will say, you know, RJ has made strides on offense. He's just he's got to figure out the defense. Um, but I think that you know he's close. He's he's gotten to fifty four true shooting, which is still not great, but it's a lot closer to league average than he was. Um, I did want to shift gears a little bit uh, and talk about another young Nick. Um, <coughs> so I know you had um, you had Jeremy Cohen on uh, on the pod that's dropping today, but um, and I, I know I didn't listen to the whole thing yet, but. You know, we mentioned, you know, Obi being traded is, is pretty likely. There's a few things I wanted to, to mention about things that has been talked about, but um, but do you think Obi will be traded by the trade deadline? Um, I don't. Jeremy does. Do you think there's any chance? I mean, because the report that came out today was that they were willing to offer him in a protected first in that Vanderbilt deal, which to me seems like I mean, you're getting Beasley back, but that does seem like an overpay. Uh, or or an admission that Obi just has no value, and I'm skeptical that that's actually the case. Um, but um, where did that report come from, though? I honestly don't remember. It was, it was like the Basketball Insiders. I mean, it was the one that came out over the weekend, right? Um, and I think, like to me, it's like, oh, they had an exploratory conversation. There was another one that came out today. It's like that the, the like I don't know if there's like there's been a few people, and they're not like scrubs. I know I know there was a Jazz account that tweeted out that like. The holdup is the Knicks don't. They want an unprotected pick, which yeah. the, the Knicks are not going to give up a fucking unprotected pick for Jared Vanderbilt or and Malik. It's, but it's surprising that they would give up Obi Toppin and a protected first. I mean, are we sure they would? I don't think they would. I think that's that's bullshit. what the reports seem to indicate. But. Yeah, I mean, the reports can indicate what they want. I don't buy that. Like, 
I just don't. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But like, I have a hard time believing that they would like. I don't know. I can't see this organ, like this front office, being like, "Oh yeah, we'll trade our eighth pick from two years ago for Jared fucking Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley, and we'll also attach a pick, a first round pick to do that." That's fucking bananas. Um, Jeremy's theory is that they would do that and then rope in the Raptors in a three team trade, and they'd like Vanderbilt maybe and send Vanderbilt to to Toronto and then you give them two protected picks or whatever and that gets you OG like I could see that I wouldn't love that I mean my entire thing is like I think three protected verse for OG and OB is enough I don't feel the need I don't think the Knicks should have to give up a fucking single thing more than that he's a good player yeah Jeremy I think is more on the OG train than I, I just but my I, I that's fine and I, I'm not I've kind of come around on the idea of like, okay, he does address some of the biggest needs that this roster has. So I kind of, I get it. But like, how is he worth, and why do I have to include Obi to do that? And I don't, I don't think it's prudent. Like we've already seen the depths of this team. It's, they've been really tested and at times it hasn't looked great. Right. But the goal should be to add OG to your core. And I do think Obi, like even if he's not long term part of the core, he's still a guy that you know can give you NBA minutes right now consistently, right? He's not a guy that gets you killed out there when he's on the floor. You need to add more of those like positive players to the mix, not lose one to go get another one. And I don't. And and specifically, my point is the value of three protected first is enough to me for OG and Obi. I don't think it should require more than that. And if it did require more than that, I would be out on it. That's just my valuation. It of feels a little bit like a bit of an overpay, um, to me at least. I, I That's just it. my valuation. I, I and like the important thing to remember is, yeah, you can tell me, well, it's fine to overpay a little bit. I agree, it's fine to overpay a little bit. But when you, if you start doing that, what it does is it hinders you in future transactions. And we've seen the Knicks be very careful about not wanting to overpay. And and why, because they want to have the flexibility to be to make moves down the line, right? So to me, it's not like would Obi and three protected first and whatever matching salary for OG and Obi would that be an egregious trade? No, but I do think it is an overpay, and I do think when you start getting into that that mode, it can be it, it can be dangerous. Yeah. Um, so you know if they are so if they are going to trade obi though and so what what makes you think they wouldn't trade obi because do you think there's any possibility that the reason i bring it up is because if they're willing to offer that much maybe they are motivated to move obi as opposed to i don't think they offered that i i like flat out reject that they offered that you don't think I they think offered that... a protected first no, and obi i don't because what I would think... the, what would that would lead me to conclude is that there's no reason to just trade them for no reason unless there has been some kind of implicit or explicit uh, indication from the top in camp, right? That, uh, hey, we don't want to play 10 minutes a game anymore with a contract here coming up. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, that's his agent is Leon's son. So that conversation might be very direct. Hey, Dad, Obi wants to play more. Um, I, I'm sure he wants to play more. Every, every NBA player wants to play more, and he deserves to play more. Okay, we well, know he's gonna like he's it's gonna cost the money soon. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And I, I, so if he if that has happened, fine. And and he deserves that. Like he deserves to feel that way and to push, if if need be, to get minutes in New York 
or if it requires a trade, he's he's right to push for that. And he's handled it. If that's what has happened, he's handled it very well because nothing has come out, right? He, there's, and his effort only... hasn't dropped or anything. Right. So, so uh, that's fine. I think that the way I interpreted that was that Utah is trying to create a market for Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley. And the way it was worded was that they put a first round value on both and OB would be he would suffice as, you know, an equivalent to a first round pick, but then they would still need a protected first for the other guy. And like I could see a world where they traded Beasley and uh Vanderbilt straight up for like whatever, uh, OB and Rose, right? I could see that. Would I love that trade? Not really, because like I just don't understand how a team that sucks at shooting wants to go get Jared Vanderbilt for one of their better shooters so far this year. And I just will never make sense to me. And it's also like Vanderbilt's not gonna play people are like, oh he can play small ball five. Tibbs is not gonna play a fucking small ball five, dude. Like, stop. I don't want to hear about it anymore. I don't want to. I don't even want to fucking hear about it because he's not. Well, do you think Vanderbilt offers enough? I mean, he he is. He would be more likely. I mean, like Obi really is a tough sell there, right? At the five, so Vanderbilt offers you a little bit more length and and defensive agility, right? Is Tibbs gonna? Does Tibbs care? I, Tibbs, I mean, Tibbs I, wants I, some gigantic. My guess would be no, Tibbs wants gigantic but I think it's fucking not Neanderthals that play the five and get played, defensive played rebounds Nerland's Noel. and fucking yeah. Well, Nerlens Noel is big enough. He's he's he hits the the the, the he right the physical. Yeah, he 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 fits the right physical benchmarks for Tibbs to to be happy with. But he's not going to play Vanderbilt the five man. Like, what in his career have you seen? This guy played fucking Cat and Todd together until his, like, like for an entire fucking season because he just would never Wait, try. Todd just is Vanderbilt that much smaller than Todd? Todd converted into a five because he was too old to play the four. Yeah, but I mean, how much bigger is Todd than Vanderbilt? I think he's. I think he's definitely holds his weight better than Vanderbilt. I, Vanderbilt's 40? filled out though pretty well uh, last couple of years. But what's what does Taj weigh? I don't know. But I, look, I like Vanderbilt actually. I I, I liked him forever. I, I do too. And I think that even if he did play the five, I'd want to use him more creatively on both ends than Tibbs would. Um, but um, you know, like, I, and I, I, I and I also just I'm just gonna say this. I think it's a fucking massive mistake to trade Obi. Under the premise of, well, Tibbs isn't going to play him that much anyway. Like, that, so then fucking get rid of Tibbs. Like, I don't understand. Like, they, if you drafted a guy eighth overall, like, you clearly believed in his talent. You clearly believed in his talent to pick him eighth overall. He has done nothing, especially in the last two seasons, to make me, I'm more optimistic about Obi. That's why we keep coming on and we're like, he should play more minutes. He should play more minutes. He should play more minutes. I am not trading him away to go get Jared fucking Vanderbilt and Malik fucking Beasley because Tibbs is insane and will never play. He'll never try Obi at the three next to Randall at the four. He will never try Obi and Randall at the four and five. He'll never extend his minutes. Like somebody the other day was like, "How the how how could you how would you suggest that we even get Obi to twenty minutes? It's not really that hard. Want to know how you do it? Okay, here you go. He plays fifteen minutes as backup." Or six, he plays 16 minutes as a backup to Randall, eight in each half, and then you find five minutes a game where they play next to each other, whether that be Obi at the three and Randall at the four, or Obi at the four and Randall at the five. It doesn't really fucking matter to me. 
get him on the floor. This isn't hard. This is not rocket science. This is not some impossible ask. If Tibbs doesn't want to do it, or he's too much of a fucking coward to do it, or he's determined that Obi Toppin sucks because he's the great guru of personnel evaluation, uh, great. I don't give a fuck. I don't. I don't agree with him. And what I think what he's doing to Obi this year is a fucking joke. Like he's shooting better from three, which was a reported. Yo, he's got to shoot better from three. Okay, he's done that. He's got to rebound better. He's posting the best defensive rebound percentage of his career. The team barely has. I think their team defensive rebound percentage with him on the floor versus when he's off is like it goes down by less than a percent, which is in line with what he did last year. So is he a dominant defensive rebounder? No, but he's not killing you on the, on the glass at all. He's probably neutral more or less. And yeah, then on and, top, and, and on top of like that, his defense much, and, hold on, and, and, hold on, and then on top of that, his defense is fine. Like, do I think he's a great defensive player? No, obviously they're starting to worse than fine, but it's not like, you know, it's fine, dude. It's like, what, you don't need, why are we fucking? Don't, well, we don't need to argue semantics. Fine, it's fine. He's not going to go out there, and you're not going to immediately become the worst defensive team. I, in the my point I, when I I hear fine, I think average. So I think it is below average. Okay, I fine. I don't I don't give a shit. If you want to argue the semantics, go for it. I'm not doing that. I'm saying that Obi Toppin doesn't fucking kill your defense, and this idea that he does is based on his pre-draft evaluation, which was wrong. Like it is wrong. He's not. A total tire fire on defense that is, he's not he, like you want to know who's a tire fire on defense? Amari Stoudemire was a tire, tire fire on defense. That guy actually had no fucking idea what he was doing ever on that end. And guess what? It kind of didn't matter when he was at his best because he was still like, yeah, but I'm going to drop like, you know, 25 a night on 7 billion true shooting and dunk Ryan. on everybody in the NBA. And like, yeah, but like, okay, so OB isn't Amari Stoudemire on offense. He's also not Amari Stoudemire on defense. And you know what? We never fucking try to use him like Amari Stoudemire on offense. So what the fuck? I'm so sick and tired. Like, and I, I, I think KFTV uh, they posted a clip. I think it was Alex Trotter saying like we should move Obi because, um, because of this. Like, right? Because Tibbs isn't going to play that much. He's got to. And like, I, I've said, I've been there. I've like felt that previously. But I, I, in my core, I will not accept that. That, that is terrible reasoning. It's 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 coping with the fact that you're this is your head coach and he has these flaws. I am not making trades because our head coach is a rigid fucking asshole. Especially because what we're talking about is oh we'll go go OG and an Obi. Like, do you think that you know how frustrating it's going to be to get OG and an Obi and never try him at the four with Randall at the five? Like, they're not going to try the Ananobi top in lineup. I mean, I would love to do that. The but Obi like, Ananobi top. <laughs> But it's just it's, it, I, I'm sorry. Like the, the Tibbs part of this stuff, it just drives me nuts because we have to we have to talk about personnel that we like, but then we have to be like, yeah, but how would Tibbs use them, right? Because like Vanderbilt is a really interesting piece. There's a world where I would totally be like, I'd consider Ob for for Vanderbilt straight up, right? Like I think that's like not an unreasonable. By the way, Vanderbilt's like uh, he's younger than Ob by yeah. a few months, so like it's not like you're I think trading it hurts your spacing, yeah. but. Yeah, but he's not you're, not. you're not trading Ob for like Jay Crowder, right? This is like not that type of trade. But when we're discussing Vanderbilt, part of the reason, like we're ta- you talk about the spacing, part of the reason that that would be even such a bigger detriment here is because we know how Tibbs would use him. So we're like, well, Vanderbilt the four would be a huge problem because he can't shoot, and, like, and it's like, okay, that that's not why you should be getting Jared Vanderbilt, right? The appeal of Jared Vanderbilt isn't that he's a four. 
It's that he's a versatile defensive piece that you can do different things with and unlock and open yourself up to different lineup combinations. But because we have that coach who doesn't believe in that stuff, the, like we we now talk about players when we're talking about trades in the same what where we apply that context. Like like this whole oh well Obi's not gonna play more. Why the fuck isn't he gonna play more? Why can't we talk about that? What was the Stephen A thing that came out today where he's like, stop telling me about what you find interesting. What you tell find me how you feel. I find it interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, that was kind of an alien versus predator thing. I'm not a huge fan of Stephen A or certainly not Jay Williams, but yeah. I, I enjoyed him putting Jay Williams. But Jay Williams said that. I would have to agree. And then Legler just being there like, somebody kill me. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I'm sorry. Like this, this thing just drives me absolutely nuts. And it's not just, like, I'm guilty of it. I know I've done this before. But, like, we, I did it with Hartenstein. I did it with Hartenstein. Oh, well, Tibbs is using him wrong, but Hartenstein's got to be better. And, like, guess what? Hartenstein figured it out. Fine. Good credit to him. It looks like he's also got his athleticism back. Very happy for him, actually. He looks really good in the next center position. is in a very good place for the next, at least, year after this. Um, happy but, life, like, happy life. Yeah, yeah I, but it's. Like, I did it with Hardenstein, though. And, like, now he's playing well, and it's like, oh, well, you know, I guess he adjusted Tibbs and blah. But we, like, I also think Tibbs has been forced to be a little bit more creative with him defensively. I, if you, well, like, I'm sure as you have, they're not just playing, like, drop coverage now with Sims and Hardenstein. So Tibbs has had to adjust. And that's a credit to Tibbs. But I'm like, it makes it even more frustrating. So I'm like, I know you can fucking adjust. I know you can do this shit. We've seen you do it. Like, last year when he had to play Obi, right, because Randall was hurt, we had that game in Charlotte. I think uh, there were a bunch of guys around. I think we played like eight, seven, eight guys that game. But he did it. When he's forced to be creative, all of a sudden, like, you get ball movement and you get sets being run and all the Knicks are trapping. They're blitzing. They're doing different things. Like, he has the capability as a coach to think outside of what his preferred preferences are. But it's it's why, like, it's kind of like the, I've talked about this before, but it's like the Woodson thing, right, where it's like, a coach has a preference of how he wants to play. And so when he has his full roster, the sum is actually less than the parts. But then when he has less of the roster and he's forced to like lean into things that he wouldn't do naturally, it, it becomes much better. Like when Woodson was like, oh, I guess I have to play Melo at the four. And we were all like, this is the greatest thing ever. Thank fucking God. Amari Stoudemire got hurt. But like, you know, then he goes to the playoffs. And he's like, well, the East is big, man. I got to start Kmart and fucking Tyson Chandler next to each other in a playoff series. Um, it's just Tibbs. Is, he, it is what it is. Like I'm, these are like Mike I understand. He's got a big win, by the way. Shout out Mike Whitson upsetting the number one team in the country. Yeah, and 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 like you know I, Tibbs is what he is. Like there's certain things you're gonna get from him, but you can't let those things influence decisions that impact your roster long term. And to me, like the difference between a coach and a front office is a coach should. I, I'm fine with the coach prioritizing winning in the here and now, right? That's if you don't win games, you usually get fired in the NBA as head coach. That's how it works. But where a front office's duty is is as like a custodian of the franchise, right? They have to look and plan for two years from now, three years, five years, six years. They have to plan down the road. So to me, you're not if you tr just oh we had to trade Obi because Tibbs won't use him. So then you're 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 letting your coach dictate long-term decisions that's bad that's really really bad you should never do that a coach should never determine 
long-term decisions, unless they're like fucking Greg Pop. Well, you, you, you do have to have alignment, right? I mean, it's a gray area, I think, between alignment and you know. Right, but so, is it alignment? Like, is but like, is is do I think that the front office is totally aligned with Tibbs? We know they're not. We know that there's they've butted heads. Yeah, like, but they might be aligned more on Obi, where maybe they would like somebody who's more of a, a defensive piece to back up Randall. So that you know, like when Randall has a tough matchup, you can put that guy in there, right? Maybe they're looking at this draft and they see that in the range they're going to be in, there's going to be a lot of interesting fours. Um, you know, th- those could be reasons as well to trade. Obi. Personally, I, I like a lot of the guys in this draft. I think um, at that position. But. Yeah, no, I, look, I, I think that's a good point. But my, but what I'm saying is not necessarily, okay, if you like OG and you want to go use Obi to get him, fine. That's fine. What is not fine to me is if you're like, well, we should trade Obi because he's not going to play, because Tibbs won't play him that much. Like, right, that's your stupid. your evaluation should be independent of that. I agree in that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it, it can't that that can't be part of it. Um, but okay. if if, yeah. if if is that that distinct from Tibbs saying I'm not going to play him because he has a ceiling as a player because he is always going to be an offensive bench piece who is susceptible in playoff type environment. And is it a bad thing if Tibbs' evaluation of Obi influences the, the evaluation yeah. of Obi as a player? Not I'm not going to play him regardless of the evaluation, but them taking into account his evaluation. They should not take... He, he's proven that his player evaluation fucking sucks. So I'm well, not really... Then you had to fire the coach, but like I don't think there's a coach in the league, in the NBA, where the front office is just like, you don't. we're not going to take your evaluation. They might override it. You should you should listen to the coach, right? Get his get his opinion, but his opinion should not be carry even close to right. the most yeah. weight. That's where I think we yeah we agree. So I mean that's what it is. But um, I don't know about not close to. I mean it very. I mean, do you think R.C. Buford doesn't give the most weight to? Popovich? I think I think if you've earned that level of trust, it's one thing. I think it's a higher number of coaches than we are implying here. I don't think Tibbs should have that influence flat out. Like he's never demonstrated. Yeah, Bolster obviously does, right? Um, Bolster probably does. Uh, you know, Kerr. Does a guy like um, Kid probably? Yeah, Kid, but uh, Kid shouldn't. Like Kid should not have that. Well, have well they made any? Any? By the way, did you see the the new Woj bomb? Mm. Uh, the trade is not official yet, and they're trying to get a third team involved. Did he just so, drop this? Yeah, like five minutes ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, look. I, we 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 will talk by that, about that. We're talking about the the Dorian Finney Smith trade. But. Yeah, no, look, we'll talk about the Uh But before we finish up, I, or finish up on the Knicks, I just want to mention um, real quick because I just spent a bunch of time effectively shitting on Tibbs. Um, I actually thought I was really impressed with his willingness to try different stuff against the Clippers defensively, um, and he deserves credit for two straight games where. The team has come back from 17 down in the fourth quarter against the Clippers and 21 down early in the game against the Sixers. I did think the 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 Clippers game is really weird because I was really annoyed that they'd never. I think Obi played like 14, 12 minutes, wherever the fuck he played, and we got three points from our center position in 53 minutes of the game. I, I was really annoyed throughout the the game. I did think Hardenstein played really well. I, mean, like, I, I thought Hardenstein played well, but he, if you're not getting points from a position, it's really hard to win. Um, but what I thought was weird was in the first half, the Clippers kind of fucked 
uh, enough Hartenstein minutes because they went five out. And then down the stretch of the fourth quarter, Hartenstein was really good. You're right, down the stretch. But they weren't, they had left Zubac in and like that suited us because it allowed us to keep Hartenstein on the floor. But then as soon as overtime started, he went five out again and then Tibbs didn't adjust and obviously he lost the game by Tibbs six. fell down and Tyron Luce stepped over him. Yeah, really. I mean, it, it was it was a really weird game. So I mean, credit to Tibbs, but I also think he, it was weird how Lou coached the end of that game. I'll say that. For a guy who I think is generally one of the best in-game coaches, that was a very weird lapse in judgment. Um, almost to the point where I wonder if like... It's like contesting an Allen Iverson jumper. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder enough. almost if... I almost wonder if, like, Zubac has, you know, he felt like he needed a, yeah, maybe he wanted, he needed a close with him because he wanted to show him that he has faith. I don't know what it was. It was weird, but yeah, I mean, he was no, I haven't even heard his name come up. I don't think they can trade him. He's the only fucking center they have. Okay. So, but I think you would not, you would trade Obi Toppin for Vanderbilt straight up, or you'd be fine with that. You would not. I wouldn't him. do it, but I would understand it. I think it's like not unreasonable. You would. You would not trade Obi Toppin in a protected first for Jared no. Vanderbilt. No. Would you trade Obi Toppin in a protected first for Christian Wood? No. You are also not a fan of Christian Wood, if I recall correctly. Uh, I, like many people, I'm not a fan of Christian. Well, <laughs> no, no. Like, look, you. To me, this is a guy who... I mean, he's been important to them. It's very surprising to me that he's even on the trade block, but... Um, no. He's he's kind of a space cadet. I The offensive talent is impressive. There's no denying that. He offers some rim protection. You know, yeah, like, I mean, he's okay not a good defender, defender, but like... He he's not a good defender. Up. I just... I don't want... He's like a bigger Obi Toppin. Or like a bigger I don't, I don't want another guy whose decision-making I don't trust on this team. I We have enough... Like, Randall... Bless his heart has been amazing, like really good this year. I still don't trust him as a decision maker. RJ's decision making has been up and down. Brunson has moments late in games that I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, like it's really Grimes, only yeah, consistent. Grimes has had weird moments. RJ, I trust actually weirdly as like a shooter or like when he can score late in games, but not as an actual decision maker. Not as um, yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah. I, look, I don't want no. I, Christian Wood is not. He, he's not serious to me. Um, I think the Mavs came to that conclusion similarly very quickly. Uh, but should the Mavs get that credibility? Because there was a certain player they could have kept for four fifty six, and they were cheap on that extension. Yeah, no, I look. I, you don't want like if you don't fucking decision ever. Yeah, if you don't want to credit them for that, I'm fine with that. I could, but I think like no, I, I think that should be a massive. If the Knicks passed on a guy like, can you imagine? Yeah, like what if the Knicks refused to pay some guard? And he went somewhere else. They were supposed to pay him four fifty six. He gets four for hundred somewhere else, or five for hundred, whatever it was. And you know he, he puts on borderline all star numbers. They would get. I mean, can you imagine the Bondy think pieces? The dude would look like Randy from South Park. You know, like. I mean, they wouldn't be wrong. Actually, they wouldn't be wrong. I mean, I, look, I, I, I think this the Mavs are not getting that scrutiny really. And I think that it's fair to say it's fair to suggest that there's a little bit of. Maybe they shouldn't be getting the benefit of the doubt that they seem to get, and maybe. Yeah, but I mean, when like, a well-run the fact that they don't want—I guess the point is—for many years, that's been viewed as an organization that made smart decisions. Uh, and I'm not talking about obviously the cultural issues that came about. I'm, I'm talking about in terms of roster management. Um, and I—I I don't know that I don't know that three years ago, if you told me, well, they don't want to extend this player, I'd say, all right, 
you know, if the Mavs won't extend him, there's probably a reason. Now I, I'm not so sure that I, I view that as like a thing. So from what I've seen, like he helps them play five out. I think he would really help Julius Randle on offense. Um, you know, I think he can give you enough rim protection. Um, and um, and who knows? You know, he hasn't been in a lot of great organizations in his career. So maybe maybe playing for a guy like Tibbs, um, you know, would help. Yeah, like I mean, look, I think that's a fair point, but Christian Woods is not a serious player to me. Uh, and also, I mean, when I when a, when a previous team that's so well run, like the Houston Rockets, gives up on you, what does that say, right? Uh, the great Houston Rockets, who very well run, have very good point guard play uh, in Kevin and who still might here. end up having none of that matter to get Wembanyama. And I think uh, it'll still matter because they're still, they're a fucking disaster. Are you are you an Alp, you're not an Alprune Shingun fan? I like Shingun. I think he's fun, but I also think he's like that's not the organization to to figure it out around him. I think pair him with Wemby. I'd actually love that. Um, another thing I wanted to mention. So, um, so it does look like the update on the Woj stuff. It looks like well, Toronto. I guess they want in the deal or something. Yeah, they, they're going through Toronto. Um, the other thing. So Jalen Brown, coincidentally or not coincidentally, is sitting tonight with a non-COVID illness. Uh, the same day when many have talked about Kevin Durant potentially being on the move, uh, I just to put it blankly, I don't love that move for Boston if they did it. But I get it; you get to pair, you know, Tatum with a generational scorer. I, I just, I actually like the Tatum Brown pairing. But uh, Jeremy, who was on your pod, um. Uh, on, on the pod you did uh, had talk has talked about how 2024 is the uh, is, is where the Knicks want to have cap space and um, you know I, I brought up Jalen Brown I was like you know if they treat if he gets traded to Brooklyn the thing that would make give me pause on Jalen Brown is he's in a great situation right now maybe he doesn't like Boston but that's a team that looks like it's built long term to be a contender consistently I don't know that you leave that maybe you get traded to Brooklyn that looks like it's going to be a fucking disaster um so or at the at the best like a middling team that isn't more attractive than the Knicks. Jeremy said that he probably thinks that Jalen Brown wouldn't be a target. I'm curious, if that's not the case, who do you think their targets would be if they're trying to, to save up that twenty twenty four cap space? Um I honestly I have no idea. If it's not Jalen Brown, I'd have to look at the list, but um there's a there's a unicorn available. Um, well, Porzingis is going to hit the market, I think, this summer. I think he'll opt out. I'm just, he just he still got like thirty mil. I don't know if he'd opt out of that. But. I would opt out of him. He's having a good year. So this is the how much more can out. he get though? Or you just wants more years? Yeah, just get more years. If anything, I mean, he might he might opt in and they extend him. I think he'll get. Either way, I think he'll get locked in uh, this off season. So what Siakam potentially, which I don't think that makes sense for us. Clay, who I definitely don't want at that point in time. Harden, who I've never wanted at that point in time, or ever in any point in any time. Although I gotta say, James Harden, the way he's playing this year, I know he, had a, he didn't play well yesterday. Shout out Deuce McBride's defense, especially on him in the fourth quarter. Um, but I thought I thought, <coughs> I think Harden's playing some of the better ball of his career right now. Less, the least annoying ball of his career right now, I should say. Um, it is also the Twenty twenty one draft class goes into um you know twenty twenty draft class goes into restricted free agency. Yeah, I mean I'm just looking at this list like Sabonis. 
<coughs> well, I mean, if you go by order salary, you're not going to hit see that class, right? Yeah, no, I mean, but like restricted free agency, like I, I don't even want. You're not going to play that game. But it's it's so hard to win that game in free agency. Like if you're trying to, well, there's a couple, unless the player there. has demanded that they want out. But even if they do, like you still have to, like you, there's still so many moving parts there. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't. There is I don't a name that, that comes to mind, and it's not Anthony Edwards. The name that comes to mind for me is Lamelo Ball. Like that is a, a shit show, uh, and he has. A vocal parent who is not afraid to make waves. I can see Lamelo asking out, and, and would they really risk him just, you know, not playing or, or some situation like that? Maybe you have to give out a couple first. But and I know you're not the biggest Lamelo fan, but you yeah. know, or, or even a guy like Devin Vassell, if he gets tired of losing, or um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with with like Keldon Johnson, but yeah. Um. <coughs> I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, okay, but like, if, so if you give Lamelo a contract, why, why would the Hornets not match it? it well, if he just demands out, like yeah, players, but they don't. But like, they don't have if, to honor that. But it can create a pretty bad situation. Yeah, but I wouldn't honor that if I were them. Oh, I'm going to trade Lamelo Ball now. And yeah, like, but teams that have made the stand have ultimately had to crack. Have they? How many <clears> times <throat> has this happened? On a guy in his rookie deal, like Porzingis um, wanted out. The Knicks, the Knicks traded that in advance because it's tricky, and they just yeah, don't want it. And obviously, been, how different would this be from Donovan Mitchell? Right? Yeah, Donovan Mitchell got extended, but very quickly afterwards, he demanded a trade. No, he never and... demanded a trade. Donovan Mitchell never demanded a trade. That never happened. I think he was never demanded a trade. for a while. Yeah, but being unhappy is one thing. He didn't demand a trade. Most guys don't demand trades. Like you, I mean, not. Well, I guess I should say most guys. If you play with the Nets, you're going to demand a trade. When was what point was AD at when he got traded? That was. I think he had a year left on his contract. Or he's okay. yeah. I, it, like, look, I, I, I get it, but like, I, I just think the restricted free agency game, if that, that, that can't be a selling point to me. It, it's too risky. There's too many moving parts because you're not just dealing with the player. You well, deal so with Jalen Brown team. is a restricted free agent. No, he's unrestricted. He is? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's on, he's, he's on a second contract right now. Yeah, so that's why, so yeah, I mean. Yeah, I don't see, I really, if you're not, if it's well, that not was more surprising Brown, that Jeremy said that he wouldn't be their target because it's like, well, who else, like, He's going to be the only like under thirty guy that's like a superstar. I would consider Jalen Brown a superstar. By the way. I don't know if I consider him a superstar. But I would rather star. like I'm star. higher on Jalen Brown. I would I'm higher on Jalen Brown than I was on Donovan Mitchell over the summer. I like that. I don't know about that. I'm, Especially for the, over the summer. Right now, Donovan yeah. Mitchell's playing with an MVP candidate. But but, and, but well, it, okay. Dejounte I Murray think, is a free agent. I don't know if I would really want him. I don't think ew. the Knicks would really want him. Um. Buddy Hill would be fun, but they won't. Uh, and, yeah, and he's like, what, he's going to be like 31, 32. Like, I mean, his game is going to age well. Yeah. But, but we don't know how old he is. That's the problem. Um, like, I don't know. They, I mean, there's players. It's a bonus to the number shift to free agent. That's interesting. Yeah, but you have Randall. Like, are they going to play together? That, that'd be a weird. Not under Tibbs. Yeah, um, not under Tibbs. How, how am I supposed to play Sabonis and Randall together? This is crazy. I so let's go back to this Jalen Brown thing though. So, I mean, whether or not you think he's a superstar, 
especially if he's in trade rumors. I mean, do you think, first of all, if he's in Boston at that point, do you think there's any chance he leaves? If he... If he's still in Boston, summer of 2024, when he goes in unrestricted free agency, do you think there's any chance he goes somewhere else? Or do you think he... I obviously don't know the guy, but... (laughs) I mean, I think there's a chance. Um, But, uh, I mean, they're going to be a good team for the foreseeable future, it seems like. And... I guess, I guess my question is, if that's not the target, uh, and I, you know, I can ask Jeremy this directly as well, but who is, right? We don't want Clay. We don't want Tobias Harris. Middleton's going to be 33. Um, I'm higher on Siakam than you um, at age 30, but, uh, you know, maybe maybe to your point. No, I'm higher on Siakam. But, but you know, who, Draymond, no. Like, if you're not looking at restricted free agents, like, Sabonis... Sabonis and, and Jalen Brown are really the only under thirty guys, and you know, yeah. To your point, Sabonis is less than an ideal fit, and, and Murray, but uh, you know, and maybe maybe Murray is a target that they would go after. Um, but um, but Brown is like Brown is like what have they needed? They need a wing, and the other thing is this: if they were to get Jalen Brown, and they have to move someone to the bench, who would you rather move to the bench between the two current wings? Um, RJ, right? RJ, but like, really be happy about that. So what? Yeah. That speaks to kind of what we were talking earlier. That you know, it is something to keep an eye on. But I mean, is it crazy to think that Jalen Brown should be the target? Twenty if the, if twenty twenty and if that if not, then twenty twenty four shouldn't be this like the banner year, right? Because it's just it's kind of it. Other than that, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't know. The Jalen Brown thing is. Maybe if that if that's the target, but other than that, I don't know why they would want cap space that summer. I'm not exactly sure. Um, maybe they can facilitate trades or something. I I really don't know. Um, all right, before we finish up, I want to talk about the Kyrie Irving trade. Kyrie Irving obviously being traded to the Dallas Mavericks uh, for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, 2029 first round pick unprotected, and a 2027 second and a 2029 second. Um, I actually kind of like this trade for the Nets, and I'm actually I'm I wonder if the bridge with Dinwiddie is burned for them organizationally, which is why they're trying to find a third team to parlay him and cap and, no, and I think, I, assets. I, I, I think he's always been a heel at heart. Going back to what the opportunity to do that. Yeah, I don't know. I he didn't he got traded from there. It was a little I, the way he left was very odd. They like he was a restricted free agent and then they signed and traded him to Washington, but before that he had said he was going to come back in the playoffs and they immediately were like, "No, you're done for the year. Uh you're not coming back for the playoffs." I I don't know. I wonder if that's part of it. But like on paper, I think this is probably the best of a bad situation they could have hoped for with Kyrie. Um I think Dinwiddie's fine for them. I think Dorian Finney-Smith is flat out good for them. Uh, they have a lot of wings now that you can switch around and do weird stuff with defensively. Shot creation, obviously, is a big loss. You do have Kevin Durant coming back at some point. Uh, I don't know. I think this trade is okay for them. But I absolutely hate this trade for the Mavericks. I think this trade is so stupid. I'm The fact that you <laughs> let Brunson walk... And then you immediately have to now make a move to replace Brunson. And sure, Kyrie is better than Brunson 
Mgrad said that it's not even close. What's up? Mgrad's. Did oh, not yeah. Take. Well, Mgrad's is also an idiot. Um, but I thought you said Howard Beck. It's not even close. <laughs> Nick's lost the trade. Uh, but for a, for a, a bag of beans or whatever. Right? <laughs> Magic beans. Oh, Howard Beck. The human penis. Um, but he, like, I, I, you have Luca, so obviously you're always going to be in some close to good level of play. I just, I can't, I can't believe that you put yourself in a situation where you've got to replace Brunson because you're too stupid to sign him to an extension that he wanted to sign. That would have been probably the best value contract in the entire fucking NBA right now. Um, then you don't make a real attempt to keep him in the offseason because the offer you made him was ridiculously garbage. And now you have to trade an unpredicted pick in 2029, which limits the picks you can trade after this year to two. You've got to trade that and two starters to go get Kyrie to replace Brunson. And Kyrie is Kyrie, who is a mentally unstable person, basketball player, professional, whatever. Every year there's some bullshit with him. And then this is the piss take. He's Gloria Trello. Okay. <laughs> he is. He is. He's Amor Fu. Um, but like, he, the, the other thing is now he has all of the leverage. He has all of the leverage in this situation now because you can't not keep him at this point. You have to pay to keep him. And he wants a max contract. It's like, like this to me is like the second port, like it's a second Porzingis trade. It's it's just it's so rash, and it's so in the moment. Instead of being like, I don't know, I, I can't. I understand like you're trying to buy low on a distressed asset, and Kyrie Irving, when he's locked in, he is a great basketball player. There's no doubt about it. Is he going to be locked in? How long can you expect him to be locked in? And when you give him a max contract, how locked in is he going to be? He's going to be locked in next year? No. He'll be fucking out here, you know, spreading, like, invermectin conspiracies and shit. This guy has... He's he's always going to find a reason to not play basketball. He's always going to find a reason to be a distraction. He's been... He's forced his way out of three teams now. Cleveland, Boston, New, uh, New Jersey, like, all of them. <laughs> but he, in Brooklyn? No, no, they don't. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's... I don't know. I like I I I I don't like giving credit to Sean Marks because I don't think he deserves credit for like. Well, he 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 totally fucked up the entire situation with all these guys he got, but he's pivoted okay. Like I don't want to give him a ton of credit for that, but um, because I I don't like they didn't they didn't get Kyrie Irving to trade him for what they traded him for, but given under the circumstances, like I think they did pretty okay. Um. Are they a contender now? Do they have the same ceiling they had with Kyrie? I don't think so. But maybe, you know, he's got, what, until 3 p.m. on Thursday? Maybe in that time he can find a deal um, that that nets them an additional piece that changes that. Because they do at least have some assets now uh, in terms of this unprotected Brooklyn pick. They have a pick, uh, or sorry, the unprotected Dallas pick. They have a pick coming from Philly. Uh, they have a pick coming for somebody else too, but like they have some options here. So um, I'm I'm curious to see what they end up doing. Yeah, um, 
I think um, I think they're doubling down on offense. I think there's I don't know that there's anyone outside of the Clippers, maybe Memphis that can defend them. Um, I, I, they also don't have anyone that can defend Jokic. Um, they, went, they don't they have anybody that can defend actually. <laughs> um, they still have Frank Milikina uh, and Josh Green. Uh, who probably you would imagine that probably played into them being willing to not not Frank as much, but Josh Green has um, has improved pretty nicely for them. Um, what is Luca for agent? That's uh, an interesting thing to watch too. There's, yeah. I think that, there's an article that said um, you know, he's got, so three, he's he's got three more years guaranteed after this season. Yeah, but they, there have been people that said that 24 months from now they they said some anonymous NBA execs if. If Kyrie does his uh, his Gloria Trillo thing, maybe Luca's going to ask out. It'll be fascinating to watch. In any case, I do think the Mavs are a championship contender, um, or at least that I think they're a contender to get out of the West. I think if they face Boston, they're in big trouble. Uh, I think if they face Milwaukee, they're in trouble. But um, but you know, you, you never know. Uh, I think, that, but I think this is. Uh, I mean, I do think they're a better team now on the court. Um, even with the defensive downgrade, I think the bigger issues are, you know, introducing the volatility. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just he's a proven nutcase. He's unreliable. He's a fucking prick. Um, on top of his, let's just say, questionable um, on his questionable shot selection, right? Yeah, he definitely does. Takes contested middies, but doesn't take the, uh, the backs. So. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that is a good place to end it. Uh, Stacy, let the people know where they can find you and plug anything that you would like to plug. Um, find me Stacy Patton 89. We should have another piece on the draft dropping this week, so check that out. But, uh, yeah, at the Strickland. And follow all the great work at the Strickland. Uh, I have... Nothing to plug myself. I guess I'll plug uh, the Strick and Roll podcast that I did with Jeremy uh, that dropped today. That I thought that was really good. Um, Jeremy did a good job. Rare, rare good job by Jeremy. Uh, I'm going to plug. I am going to plug. Uh, I love that everything in Brooklyn failed. I don't care how successful or unsuccessful they are after this. Their experiment failed. All three of those guys are losers. Go fuck yourself, Sean Marks. Um, and also, I love this trade because. I hate it for Dallas, which is great. So it's wonderful to for for two franchises franchises I load to make a trade that makes it easier to load both. Um, all right, that is our pod for today. Hope everybody has a great week, and I will see you on Friday. Our house is a mess. Come
Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.